freedom that he's already given us and that we live in today. Praise be unto God for his power has never changed. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory be to God. Turn around and wave at somebody. Tell them it's good to see you in God's house this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to commend you guys. You guys, and since we're, I'm on, we, is it messed up still? Okay, well, we don't worry about that, okay? We're in church now. We'll wait, we'll wait after church. and Yeah, okay, man, we've had people's internet problems all week. But anyway, I want to I commend you guys. You guys spread out good. Uh, them other guys, they hard to, they hard to get to spread out sometimes. But anyway, y'all do a good job. I appreciate that. <laughs> don't tell them I said that because it's not on, it's, it is on CD too. I can't deny that, okay? Amen. That's right. Amen. Let's go to the one true eternal word of God this morning. And I want to pick up where we left off uh, last week in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm gonna, we're going to pick up at verse 13 this morning. And Peter dictated this letter uh, from the Holy Spirit to Christians who were scattered. And he reminds them that they were aliens, they're strangers, they're pilgrims. They're just passing through, and they were undergoing various trials, various persecutions, various threats. And his message to them, which is the message I believe we need to hear today more than ever, is this, is be hopeful. Be hopeful. As a matter of fact, my Bible has a, it has a, a, like a little indention or a little paragraph heading that tells what each thing's about. And mine says this, for this section it's called a living hope. And a sure salvation. And that's good. A living hope and a sure salvation. Let's pick up with verse 13 this morning, First Peter chapter 1, and look what he says. Therefore, all right, let's stop there for a second, okay? Therefore, when you see this word therefore, it points back to what has previously been written, okay? And so that brings us back to where we were last week. Remember now. What did the Apostle Peter tell us last week? He said that we should have hope. And he also said that we have a living hope. In other words, this hope that we have, it doesn't cease to exist. It is a living hope. Why? Because we are saved. Think about this. We are saved. And what was the process of our salvation? Well, Peter, we've talked about this last week. He says we were planned by the Father. In other words, he foreknew us. He planned this. So not only were we planned by the Father, we were purchased by the Son. So the Father says, this is my plan. The Son says, I will go and I will pay the price. I will purchase them. And then we have the Holy Spirit who preserves us. So planned by the Father, purchased by the Son, preserved by the Spirit. That's our salvation. And then he says we have, a, we have an inheritance that will not fade. It will not pass away. And then he said, not only that, that we are kept by the power of God through faith. That's you and me. We're saved. Got an inheritance. That's sure. It's steadfast. We're kept by the power of God through faith. And so a lot of times when you read <clears throat> these epistles, 
you will see whether it's the Apostle Paul or Peter or, or James or whoever, they will often start out their letter by telling the believer their position in Christ, their standing in Christ. In other words, he wants everybody to know this is who you are. This is who we, ha- who, who we have in Jesus Christ. Ephesians is a perfect example. The first three chapters of Ephesians, this is our position. And then 4, 5, and 6 in Ephesians, this is our practice. In other words, this is our belief. And because this is our belief, now this is how you should behave. Okay? So in these first 10, 12 verses, the Apostle Peter wants us to know this is our position. Now he's going to tell us what our practice should be. Okay? In other words, this is how you walk it out. I'm going to tell you who you are. Even in Corinthians, through all their problems, he didn't start out by talking about their problems. He said, no, I'm going to tell you, first of all, who you are. Then I'll tell you, that'll fix your problems. Because when you know who you are, that'll fix what you're doing. If you don't know who you are, then you'll just keep doing the same stuff. And so this is what he's saying. He's saying, you're saved. You're kept by God's power. And so he says, therefore, here's the practice. Here's the behavior. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the former lusts which, which were yours in your ignorance, verse 15, but be like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. In verse 17, he says, If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Then verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, let's stop there. Because we're saved, what should our practice be? What is our responsibility? Let's go back to verse 13 this morning. Because I'm saved, he says, first and foremost, you've got to prepare your minds for action. Now, the King James would say it like this, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, what does that mean? Because most people nowadays, when they would read that, they would say, I don't even know what that means, gird up the loins, because that's something you don't ever hear nowadays. 
Well, in the first century, men would wear long robes with a belt around the middle. And whenever they got ready to go into battle, or whenever they got ready to do hard work, they would always take the loose ends of their robe and take that belt and they would tie it up so that it would not hinder them from their work or from their battle. So it kept them from being entangled. So in other words, Peter's saying, listen, you are saved, but now you got to get your mind ready for the battle, for the fight that is about to take place. See, if you don't realize this, the gift of faith is free, but the life of faith, it is a battle. This, what is happening now, it is not a playground, it is a battleground. The church is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. And so what he's telling us is, you have got to get your mind ready because of what is about to take place. Okay. Now we first see this word gird in the book of Exodus chapter 12. Okay. And this is when the children of Israel are in bondage and God through Moses has sent all the plagues to free his people. And then in Exodus chapter 11, he says, I'm going to send one more. The death angel is going to come. And he's going to smite all the firstborn. And then in chapter 12, he institutes the very first Passover. In other words, he says, put the blood on the doorpost of your home. And then he says, when you eat this Passover, he says, you shall eat it with your loins girded. In other words, what he was telling them is this, we about to get out of here, get ready. Be ready. He said, you can't be going back and say, oh, I forgot something. He says, when you eat this, get ready because we are about to leave this place. And so Peter is saying, listen, we are saved. You better buckle up. You better get ready. Now, what is our mind there in verse 13? Our mind there is the seat of perception it's our thinking, it's the faculty of our understanding, it's our feelings, it's our desires. Paul would tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power. In other words, the ability to perform, think about it, he said that, and of love and of a sound mind. In other words, a sound mind is a safe mind. It is sound reasoning. It is control of oneself in the midst of panic that they are living in. See, the United Negro College Fund has a saying that says the, the, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. But a lot of Christians have said this, the mind is a terrible thing. In other words, we need to shut off our thinking. No, God created your mind. Okay? He wants you to use your mind and conform your mind, your thinking, 
according to the word of God. Now think about it. The amplified version of this 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says it like this. says to be calm and well-balanced, a calm and well-balanced mind, and discipline and self-control. Now, if I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but I don't see many Christians right now with a calm and balanced mind. No, because I get all the shares that you share with me and give me the message on Facebook about all this crazy stuff out there. Okay? You don't have a calm and balanced mind and know that God is in control, that God is still on the throne. And so in other words, what Peter is saying is, you've got to gather your loose thoughts, you've got to gather your loose thinking, which will lead you to loose living. In other words, when you have a cluttered mind, it's going to lead to cluttered living. Second Timothy, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The Apostle Paul writes, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortress, fortresses. Then he says, verse 5, We are destroying speculations. Speculations, in other words, we're just guessing at things. We're just trying to make a, you know, just some kind of, we don't really have the facts. We're just trying to guess on some things. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And he says, and we are taking every thought captive, looks into that, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You realize when the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, when he talks about the armor of God, the first thing he tells him to do is this. He says, gird, he says, gird the belt of truth. In other words, you've got to put on, stand firm, having your loins girt about with truth. In other words, if you don't know the truth, truth is what holds everything together. Okay? And where do we find truth in these days? You don't find it from the news. You sure don't find it from these scientists that now say that if you're born with a certain chromosome, you can still be the other chromosome. You don't find it from them. You find it from the Word of God. And so anything in your life that is contrary to the Word of God that you can't back up with the Word of God, he says you got to remove that loose thinking and you got to prepare your mind for action. Get yourself ready for what's about to take place. Then he says not only this, not only prepare your mind for action, he says keep sober in spirit. Keep sober in spirit. What does sober mean? It means free from illusions. You're not intoxicated. You're not drunk. Now let's take that word intoxicated before because I never really studied that word to this past week. And I didn't realize that that, I guess the base word of what you call that is, is the word toxic. Okay? And we know what toxic is, right? It's poison. 
It's poison. In other words, it means you, when intoxicated means you are steeped or smeared with poison. So, the idea here is that when he says keep sober in spirit is simply this, to make sure you keep all your faculties fully operational. Okay? This trait describes one who is free from every form of mental and spiritual drunkenness. Now, we mostly associate sobriety with alcohol. And it can mean that. Okay? But you, do you realize this? That it's not necessarily only alcohol. Because you can be intoxicated with fear. I'll let that sink in there. You, your mind can be intoxicated with fear. Do you realize that the enemy uses fear to control you? Okay? In other words, the devil can't do anything to me unless God allows him to do it. But what he can do is he can just talk to me and just tell me what he's going to do to me and just bark at me, right? Just bark at me. When I go walking sometimes, there's a neighbor, they got a dog, and that dog will start barking and yapping and all that kind of stuff, and here comes that dog, and that dog ain't but this big but you would think that dog weighed 300 pounds the way it comes and if I didn't know any better when I first heard that dog I'd probably take off running but I know I could probably just step on it and kill it just like that I ain't gonna do that I'm just saying this I'm saying that the devil is the same way with a lot of people oh he's barking at us he's telling us what all he's gonna do and so what happens is we allow that fear to intoxicate our mind and we are drunk on fear. And because we're drunk on fear, we don't act like a child of God should act. We don't do the things a child of God should do because we are living in fear. You could be intoxicated on politics. Dear God in heaven. You can be intoxicated on politics. I have not watched a newscast since April. How do you keep up with news? Oh, I keep up with it. But I don't listen to their slant of things. If all you do is listen to the news, whether it's Fox, whether it's CNN, whether it's MSM, if all you do is listen to political talk, no wonder you are acting the way you are acting. No wonder you're so full of anger, 
soul full of rage. You understand that? You as a, see, we always think being sober has to do with alcohol, but there's a people that are sitting in churches Sunday after Sunday. They're intoxicated with fear. They're intoxicated with the political climate of the day, and they can't even act like a child of God supposed to act. Why? It's because they are drunk on those things. Now, this is better than what y'all are acting. I know what it is. And then that intoxication on politics leads to being intoxicated on anger. You can get intox- drunk on anger. But you know what? You can also get drunk on pleasure. You can be so consumed with pleasure that it just intoxicates your mind. That's all you think about is pleasure. See, sobriety means steadfastness, it means self-control, it means clarity of mind and moral decisiveness. Paul would say in 2 Timothy 4 and 5, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Notice that. You should keep a clear mind in every situation. And so when Peter says to be sober in spirit, he says that we are to continually make the choice of our will to be watchful, to be calm, to be collected in spirit, to be temperate, to be dispassionate and circumspect in this present evil age we are living in. So he says... You got to get your mind ready. Make sure you top all the loose ends. Anything you're dwelling on that has nothing to do with the Word of God says you need to get rid of it. He says you better keep sober in spirit. Don't get intoxicated on the things of this world, the ways of this world. Then he says this. Not only that, verse 13, he says, and Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, hope, nowadays when we think of hope, we're like, well, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. But that's not what biblical hope is. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It is a certain confidence the expectation of something good. And so hope, fix our hope is, I fix it on the absolute certainty of future good. That's a Christian, okay? We are saved, planned by the Father. We're saved, we're purchased by the Son. We're saved, the Holy Spirit's preserving us. And because of that, I can fix my hope because my hope is certain. It's not I hope I get out of here. It's I'm certain I'm getting out of here because I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And so what Peter is telling his readers is this, even though you're going through trials, even though you're going through tribulations, even though you're going through temptations, even though you're scattered, guess what? There's always a better day ahead for the child of God. And because there's always a better day ahead, we should always be hopeful. And so get your mind clear. Remain sober in spirit. Fix your hope. Then he says the next thing. We won't spend much time on these. Just want to touch on these for a second. He says in verse 14, he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed. 
Do not be conformed to the former lust which you were in your ignorance. What does that mean? That means the world is trying to squeeze me into its mold. The world is trying to get me to go back to my former lifestyle. The world is doing everything it can to drag me away from what God has called me to be. And so what he's saying there is don't let the trials, don't let the pressures of this world make you become something that God has not created you to be. And he says this. He says, be holy in all your behavior. Be holy in all your behavior. See, children inherit the nature of their parents. Right? You ever heard somebody say, well, he acts just like his daddy. Right? She acts just like her mama. Looks just like a dad. Looks like a mama. Children inherit the disposition of their parents. And so since God is holy, guess what? We as his children should live holy lives in all our behavior okay I was we had a little birthday party for my father yesterday and so we were going to grill out and so I had to do a cylinder tank exchange and I had to stop by Walmart okay and if you don't know anything about what's going on at Walmart nowadays you're blessed for it first of all but anyway they only let you in one door. They only let you out one door. So I was in line at the self-checkout, and I asked the lady, I said, listen, I said, I need to get a propane tank exchanged. I said, can you do that? She said, yeah, we can do that. I said, the doors are locked on the other end. Can we do that? They said, if not, I'll just go to somewhere else. Oh, we can do that. I said, all right, I'm going to pay for this. And I said, I'm going to go get in my car, and I'm going there, and I'll meet you there. And she said, I'm leaving now to go get it for you. Well, I waited 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, I seen a little guy in a yellow vest coming. I said, thank God for that. So I showed him my receipt. He said, I don't even need to see that. And then he walked to his car and got in his car. He was going on break. If you don't think that'll put a burr in your saddle, when you got some place to be, oh, it will. And I took off for the store. And I was huffing and a puffing. And I said, I cannot wait to find that lady. I couldn't find her. God's, God's grace is sufficient in those times. But then they told me, they said, listen, you got to go with the customer service and wait in that line, and they'll do something for you. That wasn't good news either. But I finally 
got my tank. And what am I saying? I didn't go off on anybody. Okay? Yeah. She said, praise the Lord. Yes. Sanctification. And I, I, I don't know if I ever go off on anybody. I, I, I just, I try my best because I realize as a child of God, no matter where you are, you represent him. Wherever you are, you represent him. And because my father's holy, I don't want to do anything to tarnish his name. And that's what he's telling them. He's saying, listen, it's, t it's tough. You're being rejected. You're being ridiculed. Oh, I promise you, it was, it was more than, th these people are going through more than not having to wait on a tank. But even in the midst of your suffering, even in the midst of being treated wrong and done wrong, he says you got to be holy in all manner of your conversation. Now let's talk about holiness for a second, okay? Holiness, there's a positional holiness, and then there's practical holiness, okay? Because if, you, if, if, if you're called in, in chapter 2, verse 9, he's going to tell them, you are a chosen generation. You're, you're a holy nation. Okay? What made them holy, a holy nation? Well, Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected, in other words, finished or made complete for all times those who are being sanctified. Okay? So in other words, we're made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And so what he's saying there is, you're holy, now you got to live it out. Got to live it out. See, holiness calls for living morally pure lives despite the fact that we must live in this sinful world. Matter of fact, he would tell us in chapter 2, verse 12, I think it is, he would say, do good deeds among unbelievers, even though they accuse you of doing wrong. They may, by your good behavior, glorify your Father on the day of his visitation. That's us. We're not called to get into the mud and wrestle the pigs, because when you get in the mud and wrestle the pig, all that happens is this. You both get muddy and the pig's happy about it. Right? That's what happens. You know how many times I've wanted to send that text? I've wanted to reply to that post. But I've said, I've called to be holy. I'm called to a higher standard. And because of that, I want to uphold the reputation of my Savior. I want to abstain from all appearance of evil in this world. I don't want to have anything to do with stuff that's going to detract 
from my testimony and my walk in the Lord. And so he's telling us, listen, you are saved, prepared by the Father, planned by the Father, purchased by the Son, preserved by the Spirit. And because you're saved, that's your position, this is your practice. Get your mind ready for action. Free from all intoxicants. Keep sober in spirit in these last days. Come on now. Fix your hope on Jesus. Don't fix your hope in Washington. Don't fix your hope in this world. Fix your hope in Jesus. Don't be conformed to this world and live holy lives in these days we're living in. That's our, that's our duty. That's our calling. That's what we call to do. And so if we'll prepare our mind for action, no matter what comes our way, when bad news comes, you know what's going to happen? We can be calm. We can be cool. We can be collected because we know that God is in control, that he is on the throne. I'm telling you this, listen. You better start practicing this now. Okay? You better start practicing it now. Because if all you do is listen to the world's garbage, you're not going to be able to stay calm. You're not going to be able to stay holy like you're supposed to. You're not going to be able to fight the fight of faith and be the salt and light that God has called us to be. You've got to prepare your mind. You've got to say, listen, get all distractions out of your mind and untruths out of your mind. And put your mind on the... And listen, this doesn't happen automatically. It is a discipline that you have got to practice in your life. You are, you, your mind is renewed by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. And when you get the Word of God inside of you, then you are able to prove, test that will of God that is pure, that is acceptable, and that is good. And so I say this again in closing as I come in playing. Prepare your mind for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope on Jesus Christ and keep your hope fixed on him. And don't be conformed to this world and be holy as our Father is holy as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we would, that you would search our hearts and minds. God, if there's anything in our minds that is loose, that is not of you, I pray, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would cast down those imaginations. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to you and your word. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, not to only prepare our minds, but keep sober in spirit. Not to become drunk on fear, drunk on politics, drunk on the frustrations of this world. Help us, Lord, to fix our hope on you. Help us, Lord, not to be conformed, not to let this world conform us. 
And help us, Lord, to be holy as you are holy. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. Come on, brother. Joe, you can get ready. Let's stand. They're going to sing a song while I'm getting prepared. Let's get our minds right.